Welcome to the Basketball Index Podcast. I'm your host, Taylor, and today I am ranking the top five off-seasons in, I don't know, what is this? This is the 2023 off-season. So the top five off-seasons by team. So we're going to start at number five. We're going to finish at number one, and I'm going to talk about the teams that had the best off-season in my eyes. So what counts as the off-season? That would be the draft. That would be trades, free agency, both who you lose and who you retain. So that is the criteria. Also, where is this? So there was a there was a very handy Bleacher Report article I came across. I'll link it in the description. This person also graded every NBA team's offseason so far. And I'm gonna be honest, I wanted I had this idea for the episode, and then I just Googled oh, that because I was like, you know what? Someone probably already did this research. You know, and just in terms of like the actual transactions where not, not the, that'd be really funny if I was like, well, I came across this article. It seemed really smart. So I'm just going to verbatim repeat what it says. No, 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 no. I was like, it's late enough in the off season where somebody probably went around and grabbed all the additions and subtractions in terms of, of free agents. Oh my God. That would have been really funny if I didn't explain that more. I was like, yeah, just rip this article by Andy Bailey. I, maybe, maybe I should have Andy Bailey on the show. Talk about it. That, that seems uh, like it could be a fun conversation, but let's get into it. So again, I, I used the, the Bleacher Report article just because it had the transactions. Uh, so I, I didn't want to have to go do that all by hand manually. Um, but let, let's get into it. So number five, best offseason, which I don't know, maybe this is, maybe this is, yeah, no, I'm, I'm pretty comfortable with this one. So I have the Cavs at number five. I think the Cavs are a very good team. And, like, I know we call them a good young team, but, like, they're kind of getting to the point where, like, some of those players are fully cooked now, where it's like Donovan Mitchell looks like he's going to be the guy, you know, top 15 player. Jared Allen has been a consistent player for a few years now. I know Mobley's still really young. And, like, Garland is relatively young, but it's not like these guys, like, it's not a team full of, like, sophomores, right? There's Mobley who's going to be going into his third year, but the 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 kind of core is kind of reaching the beginning of their prime. So I'm really high on the Cavs. I really like what they did. So they lost Chetty Osman and Lamar Stevens, who were wings that played on their team, and they added Max Struess and George Niang. And it's one of those moves where like this isn't not crazy losses, not crazy additions, but this team really lacked value from the three position last year. It was really evident in the playoffs. Struess and Yang, they're kind of like two, they're not exactly threes, right? Like Struess, you can play as, I guess like the two or the three, it's probably fine. And then Yang's a forward. His value is better as like a stretch four because he's such a good three-point shooter, but he's really bad at defense. So it's like, and maybe you put him in the three slot and like, it, so the the point of that little tangent was like, they're, everyone's not perfectly plugging in, but what they needed was guys that are off-ball perimeter players. Let's phrase it that way, because that's how we talk at basketball index, because frankly, it's better, right? Like, oh, you know what the Cavs need? Off-ball uh, perimeter players. What did they go get? They got Max Struess and George Yang, and it's like, oh, well, that that seems like pretty ideal fits for not a lot of money. So Strew's got a long deal, but he's not getting paid that much. I think he's maybe getting paid like four, something like 14 mil a year, but weirdly for four years. And then Niang's getting paid like, I want to say like seven or eight million a year. So like really nothing crazy. So I really like the additions from a value standpoint because 
basically all of their money is locked up now where it's like donovan mitchell is making is making big time money garland signed a very large extension i can't remember i don't i don't know if mobley has or not but he's going to right i think it's after the third year eligible he's going to get whatever the max is and then jared allen's like on a really solid contract he makes like 20 million a year so that's where the bulk of the money is going to be. So now you have kind of like count your your nickels and your quarters and your half dollars that you have in your pocket to try to fill up the rest of the roster with not only players that are good, but kind of skill sets that are complementary. And I think Struess and Niang are that. Because again, Niang is a sharp shooter at forward. Struess is a guy that can shoot the three well. It's been inconsistent in his career. And then he's been like a solid defensive player he's a really weird player to try to nail down because it's like oh so i looked it up well this is pretty i looked that up while talking this entire time Struess, the average salary is 15 a little like 15 and a half over four years so the money's not crazy but per year but it is kind of a long deal but whatever Struess is a guy where i don't know how to pinpoint how good he is but he's been playing on a roster that kept going really deep in the playoffs, and he was playing a fair amount. So whatever that analysis is holds some weight, right? Where it's like if the person's playing on a team that's running deep into the playoffs, likely they're not super bad. Now, that's not the best way to analyze things because, you know, it happens, right? But just generally... If you're, what has he played? He played 20, about 28, 29 minutes a game the last two years in the playoffs. Probably not a bad player. But yeah, so they signed Max Struess and George Niang. Three-point shooting, off-ball perimeter players, that's what they need. They don't really lose much. I know Chetty actually played pretty well last year in the regular season, but he's just not a needle mover. Lamar Stevens is a guy who's like an interesting athlete, but doesn't seem to be very good right now in the NBA. So that's the Cavs offseason kind of real quick, the, the couple minute version. And I like what they did and I have them at number five. So let's move to number four. This might actually be too low now that I think about it, but it's the Spurs and it's just drafting Victor Wembanyama. That is a move that hopefully is just going to change the trajectory of their franchise for the next 15 years if everything goes to plan. So I don't, maybe this should just be higher because he's a generational prospect. Now, you know what? Yeah, I'm gonna move that. I'm gonna move that higher on the fly. That's just scratch that. Uh, the Spurs. We're, we're gonna come back to them. So I have the Suns as the fourth best offseason uh, here in 2023. So basically, what the Suns did was they traded for Bradley Beal, and it was a trade where it was like Bradley Beal doesn't have very much value because his contract is insane. He's like a pretty good player. He's probably a top 40 player, but he's being paid like a top five player. So that's kind of the rub here. This happens sometimes in the NBA. And he also had a no trade clause. So trading him was really difficult. Basically, the Suns gave up Chris Paul because he's pretty old now, making like $30 million a year and looked pretty cooked last year. They basically got rid of Chris Paul and took on Bradley Beal, who again, is a pretty good player, but just is making crazy money. Whereas like you're adding talent to your team. So like the reason the salary cap is such a big deal is if you give out a bunch of bad contracts, then it's very hard to build a winner, 
right? That is a simple enough kind of statement, easy enough to understand. But if you're super bad, right? If you're like the Spurs or whatever, the Hornets, you can afford to sometimes pay players a little extra when you're in for, full rebuild. No, like we're going to talk about Jordan Poole in a second here where like the cap doesn't really matter for the Wizards right now because they're basically having tryouts for the next two years. So however you use your cap space the next two years, it doesn't really matter. You just want to be able to retain any young talent you seem to have on your roster. And then the other issue is once you're really, really good, you can't really add a lot of big splash players to your team because of the money. Like the Cavs are a good example of this. It would be very difficult for the Cavs to take on another massive contract, right? I don't even know how you would even do it logistically. But just from like a owner, I'm trying to make money in this business, probably wouldn't happen because you go too far into the tax. So the Bradley Beal contract is complicated, but the Spurs were already spending, or sorry, the Spurs, the Suns were already spending quite a bit of money. So it's like if your owner's willing to kind of just pony up and you're already past that threshold of like signing free agents, it's like, well, this is one way to acquire talent. This is one of the avenues to do it. So uh, I'm not really against that move. They get a guy like a flyer and Jordan Goodwin through that trade too, who might add some defensive value. They bring in Drew Eubanks, who was a reserve on Portland last year. He's a big. He is just like a pretty solid basketball player. He can switch and hedge decently. He can play mobile coverages pretty well. So there's some value there and maybe gives you some uh, some versatility in your bigs. They bring in Eric Gordon, who's, who's pretty old at this point, but is a pretty good shooter and played well once he moved to the Clippers late in the season. Uh Wantanabe, he was on the Nets. He was a really, really good catch-and-shoot guy. So there's the big move with Bradley Beal, and then there's all these little small moves. Also, they re-signed Josh Akogi, who I think is a really good player. Very, very good defender. He can't shoot, but does a lot of the little things. Offense rebounds extremely well for his position. But yeah, Josh Akogi, I really like that retention. And then, you know, they added some shooters. They added possibly a defensive guard and Jordan Goodwin, who is one of those guys where, like, honestly, he was on the Wizards. I don't think any of us have really seen him play. But his defensive data looked pretty pretty interesting. So that's kind of just a flyer there. And then Drew Eubanks, I think, is just like a really quality backup big. I really like him in that role. Again, the Suns lost Chris Paul pretty old at this point. They lost Landry Shamit, who you guys know I have a little soft spot for. And then Jock Landale, uh, he also left him free agency where like he was sort of an interesting player and remains interesting. But I think Drew, I'm, I'm, I think it's an upgrade going to Drew Eubanks. I might be wrong because Jock is a lot, I think, I think, oh no, he's an older, he's an older player. I think he might've came from like Australia or something, whatever. I like Drew Eubanks better. I got a little, uh, got a little crush on him, got a little crush on his game. So the Suns, I almost keep saying the wrong name. The Suns were the fourth best offseason in my eyes here in 2023. So we had the Cavs at five, the Suns at four, and now we're moving to the Wizards at three. So the Wizards had a really good offseason because they, like I talked about it before, you either are, when you're trying to build a winner, you're either a very good team trying to add just like that extra piece. Like Denver's a really good example of this. Like they added KCP and they added Bruce Brown in the offseason last year. And I really, really like that offseason where it was like, you don't got to shake everything up, right? You just got to let everybody get healthy. That's your core players. And then you need to surround them with a couple really quality role guys. And Bruce Brown and KCP are that. And that made a lot of sense in the offseason. Obviously, they go on to win the championship. And both those guys played well for them. So 
that's 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 one way, right? The tippy top, add a piece or two, and then like I said, the full rebuild. So the Wizards were in this weird middle ground. So they needed to get off their big contracts. They trade Porzingis to Boston. They trade Bradley Beal to the Suns. And those are like the two, like they're smaller moves on top of that. But those were the two, again, giant contracts where these players are pretty talented. They're pretty good players. They're like obvious positives, right? But the contracts are so large, it's so difficult to build with that on your team. Now, if you send that to an already pre-built team and you're willing to just pay the money, like I said, that works out. Boston, Porzingis, that move, I'm like, you're trying to get more offensive pop. I get it. You know, Al Horford's an aging big. You kind of have to replace him. He's going to have a smaller role. He's going to be like 36 or 37 years old. So I like that deal. Like I said, Bradley Beal going to a lot of talent. There's a lot of skill overlap in Phoenix, but hey, you have three pretty darn good players that, you know, there's worse places you could be. But I also like what the Wizards acquired. So they got Jordan Poole. So it was Chris Paul got traded to the Wizards, right, in the Bradley Beal trade. Then they flip Chris Paul for Jordan Poole. And Jordan Poole is one of those guys, you know, young, really talented, but really volatile in terms of level of play. Like there's just not a lot of consistency out of him the last few years. But the highs have been really impressive. The playmaking looks pretty good. The crazy shot making is exciting. Like he is a very, very interesting player. So they acquire him. He's on a pretty large deal. He signed that large extension. I don't know if that it's either has four more years or three more years. I don't exactly know the, the years there, but he's getting paid like $30 million a year. So he's getting paid like a potential all-star type player. He's obviously just not there, has been inconsistent, had a down year last year. On top of that, they get Tyus Jones back in that Porzingis three-team trade. He comes from Memphis. He's just sort of a good player where he's been solid, he's been Jaw's backup. And I think part of the reason Jaw, or when I, how do I phrase it? So Memphis, when Jaw's out, Memphis has been pretty good the last few years. And I think part of that is Tyus Jones bringing like pretty solid play from the point guard position, one of the best floaters in the league. So yes, you got rid of talent in Porzingis and Beal, and those contracts were bloated. And you got back Jordan Poole and you know, a talented guy on a big contract. But again, you're in rebuild mode. You're having tryouts for the next two years. Tyus Jones, a solid NBA player. Like he would, he's like a fringe starter on any team in the league. So that's like a pretty good player. Uh, obvious rotation guy on any team in the league. And then if they get Landry Shamit, <laughs> who, you know, you see the right nine plays of, and you're like, that guy's, that guy's pretty good. For a role player, like that guy, that guy's pretty nice. And then they have the big Mike Muscala. Uh, might as well have a little fun shooting threes from your center position. So I like what the Wizards did. They blew up sort of their weird middling roster. They got younger and then they got off some, some bigger money. So I like that. And there's a very real chance, like after the tryouts, right? Jordan Poole, two years later, looks like a pretty good player. And maybe you trade him or maybe you build around him. I don't know. But yeah, Wizards at number three. Number two, the Lakers offseason. This was another one where they added some guys. They lost guys, but none of them seemed to be a very big deal. And they also retain players in that. That's really important. Obviously, you go into free agency. You don't want to lose your talent. So we'll start with what they gained. The Lakers gained Gabe Vincent. He was a solid player on Miami in the last few years. And they also got Torian Prince. He was on Minnesota. He's just kind of a solid NBA player. So they add two guys that are decent to a little above average in Gabe Vincent. I like that. And then they lose Dennis Schroeder, who was pretty pretty 
good for them last year. Troy Brown Jr., he was a, a pretty decent 3 and D player for them. Lonnie Walker, who he flashed in the postseason, but other than that was just kind of, you know, ho-hum. Uh, Malik Beasley they traded for, and it didn't really work out. He's a three-point specialist who's been very good throughout his career and just went ice cold for like three months and fell out of the rotation. And then Mo Bamba, he's one of those intriguing stretch bigs that like isn't very good, but he can shoot the three pretty decently from the five spot. So that's pretty interesting. Also like craziest wingspan, I think in the league, I think it's like something crazy, like a seven ten wingspan, but yeah, they, they Gabe Vincent is, I would probably say uh, a slight upgrade over Dennis Schroeder. I'm trying to think, is that right? They're probably in a similar tier, but if you let me pick the player, I probably would pick Gabe Vincent. So there's that. And then uh, Torian Prince and Trey Brown Jr., those are pretty lateral moves. Those are similar guys. Like, you know, they're not not huge needle movers. And then the important part of the Lakers offseason was they retained Rui Hachimura, Austin Reeves, and D'Angelo Russell. So D'Angelo Russell is probably the most well, actually Reeves is pretty famous now, but D'Angelo Russell has a pretty long track record in the NBA of being like a, a good player that obviously has skill, obviously has talent. Came over to the Lakers a little bit more of a reduced role just because they have more ball handlers and shot the lights out, played pretty well, and then just went ice cold in the playoffs and it was it was difficult to play him for stretches. So that wasn't great. Austin Reeves is the talk of the town this off season. He's going into his third year. He looks like a really good player. I just did a podcast. If you want Austin Reeves talk, I did 20, 25 minutes on him. It's the last episode. How good is Austin Reeves right now? So click on that if you haven't heard it. And then Rui Hachimura is an interesting guy where I don't know if it's the regular season guy we saw. He's heading into year five, right? Just coming off his rookie deal. And there's the regular season Rui, who's he's an okay player, right? He's he's decent. He's got a mid-range jumper. He's pretty big. And then there's the playoff version of Rui, which was not only this year, but it was his first playoff appearance as well, where he is an android sent back from the future to save the past, where all of a sudden he just takes over games for stretches for quarters. He starts hitting everything from three. He starts driving to the basket and throwing it down with authority where it's like, who is, where, who, where, who's this guy? So I don't know which Rui the Lakers are retaining, but it was like a three year deal, something around like 17 million a year. Not crazy, but you know, you go on a playoff run like that. It's going to up the contract you get where they were able to keep all three of these guys. It's like, okay, there's obviously some talent here. And then they add Gabe Vincent, you know, same thing as Struess, where like, I've watched some Vincent and I'm like, well, you're definitely a rotation player, right? But in terms of how good you are, it's unclear. It's, it remains unclear, but it's like, he's been playing a fair amount on a team that went really deep in the playoffs. I'll make it like, here's the thing, right? If you just assume that I got one guy, you can definitely be wrong. But if there's like four guys on the floor where you're like, well, I don't know how good Kyle Lowry still is. But him and Gabe Vincent and Max Struess are sure playing a lot and they keep winning games. So like their value together has to equal something that is positive. <laughs> like you can't be playing like four guys where it's like, I think they're all bad <laughs> and they keep winning. It's like oh, your valuation is just off then. So I like the Lakers offseason. I thought they you know kept their talent together and then made it nice little additions. And then number one, I teased it earlier. I guess I kind of spoiled it. Spurs, I guess they had the best offseason because they had 
the number one overall pick in the year that Victor Wembanyama came out, where he is one of those guys where I don't really know what to think when I watch him play because it doesn't, there's nothing to compare it to. So I have no idea, like my ability to ballpark whatever he is going to be is like, well, what, what, sorry, what's the, what's the, the player type here? Seven, three big that apparently can handle the ball pretty well and also shoot. And if he misses threes, he can put back dunk them without the ball touching the ground. And he was like already playing like pretty competitive ball overseas where it's like, ah, is this guy just going to like walk into the league as like an all-star in his rookie year? I don't know, maybe, but the next 15 years could be very promising in San Antonio if he stays healthy and things again, just sort of go to plan what most people expect. So that is going to wrap it up for this episode. We have the Cavs at five, the Suns at four, the Wizards at three, the Lakers at two, and the Spurs at one as the top five off seasons in the league here in 2023. So if you want to talk to me on Twitter at Taylor Metrics, and I'll see you on the next episode of the Basketball Index Podcast.